Lavile am Goltacher shoot the Sachler show, Shafle. She Fiona McCardle Mish. I'm Fiona McCardle. Hello and welcome to Shafle. In the programme this week, Sachler and Chachn Show. Shan Hauna, Old Hollandide. A date which perhaps doesn't have the significance it once did, but it's been an important date in the island's business and cultural calendar. And Rumsey, Eshtas Nish. Ramsey Past and Present, another in a series produced by Lochten Books. This coming Saturday evening, the 12th of November, there will be the final concert by the Summer Singers in St Paul's Church in Ramsey, bringing their 2022 season to a close. This is the concert that was due to have been held in early September but had to be postponed. The summer singers perform a range of music from classical and sacred to pieces from films and television. The concert will be introduced by Mark Tiley and the summer singers will be accompanied by Liz Marshall. They also have special guests taking part with the tenor Lorca O'Mahony and organist Gareth Moore. Admission to the concert is free but there will be a retiring collection and there will be refreshments served afterwards. So that's at 7.30 in St Paul's Church in Ramsey, this Saturday evening the 12th of November. The final concert this year by the Summer Singers and their special guests. Ectajach and Jach Shochai, be immer dieslai ernag and perchen gon megirt natayen, nakirten komrit merbuchen. The search aglach elle de creature. Gimmerke londeren nappen, as goel a ren dren, emnesit and banag. Takus de verjun and jen vanag, tariketh and magirten ellen. Gede vel dach verjun nish gimbre, ginny and witch, as an chochjol hopchune. Taversun and vanag, vush pertna hinja, a lord hopchune, log dach rona, ach hanel ginny and witch. Chitrish, Deran Jerije. Merhilshin on Shachle Kagisha de Henne, Go and lay no Tojachic Lane Agrania, Satre Chai, As Erefe Shen, Vahoptune Tachat Sadorachus, Ek Tojach and Hidle me Hauna. Ach Nish, Hanelshin Kyachta Smunyan El Lane Agrania, Murtojach and Lair Gain. The annual celebration of Hoptune marks the fact that the first month of winter is the beginning of the Celtic agricultural year. As we heard recently, the tradition that the new day starting immediately after sunset, so the new day actually starts in the darkness before the light reappears, is similar to the tradition that the year starts in darkness and emptiness, before moving into the spring, planting and growing, the summer ripening and the bounty of harvest, when all was safely gathered in. And with Hopchune, the whole cycle begins again. With the island so well connected these days, and Halloween being promoted through the media, it's not surprising that the tradition of Hopchune in the island is kept according to the modern calendar. But for a good number of years, from the reform of the calendar in 1752, which jumped the calendar ahead by 11 days, to reconnect the appropriate days of the calendar with observable events like equinoxes and solstices. People kept traditions as though the calendar hadn't been changed. 
So the tradition of Hoptune and Hollandtide were celebrated on the modern calendars 11th and 12th of November. Cyril Payton dated the foreword to his book, Manx Calendar Customs, to November 1939. In the book, he brings together the traditions of this time of year, under October the 31st and November the 11th, and then November the 1st and 12th. He opens the first section with this. October the 31st and November the 11th. E. Hauner, Hollandtide Eve. Shan E. Hauner, Old Hollandtide Eve. As in Scotland, it's kept as a rule on the old-style date. And from the Manx Society we hear, on Old Hollandtide Eve, the 11th of November, it's the custom, particularly in country districts, for boys to go from house to house, shouting out hop to nay, accompanied with any quantity of question and answer, whatever version of the Bannock they have in their area. And again, according to A.W. Moore, the boys who went round singing this song carried big sticks with cabbages or turnips stuck in the top, and with these they knocked at people's doors till they received herrings and potatoes and such like gifts. In fact, this was a custom known as Thump the Door Night. John Kelly's Dictionary has an entry about the Sothag Valu, the dumb cake. Culture Vannon produced a video about this Hollandtide tradition, and we hear Isla and Maeve Collister. or Ihauna was special um, because they thought uh, that was the old Celtic New Year and they thought it was a kind of time of where the veil between our world and the other world was at its thinnest. It'd be a time that you'd tell fortunes and a very superstitious time. Sodig Valley um, means essentially dumb cake. The Sodig is the kind of style of the cake, it's a thick cake. Um, uh, probably a bit like a bonnig and value, you know, silent uh, or dumb. Um, so that kind of sums up the whole tradition of it, you know, the importance of being silent during the preparation and the baking of the cake. There would be flour, eggs, eggshells, soot, salt and meal in the Sodic Valley. I think it was meant to be over over-salted. I don't think this is meant to be a, a nice cake that you'd find on the, the Great British Bake Off at all. The in- ingredients like uh, soot and the eggshells, um, again it was just to make it quite a, a disgusting cake. I think it was meant to be quite, quite unpleasant to eat. Everyone and all the women in those days um, of the household, um, they were to help um, knead and make um, the Sodic Valley um, and so it's hand patted and it would be a three cornered cake and um, that was quite important and so I think it was quite symbolic that the three corners. The whole process had to be done in silence and then after it was cooked they had to eat um, a bit of the cake, Every all the women had to have a piece and then they'd walk backwards to bed and um, and then they go to sleep, and then that was when they'd see or have signs of their future husband. Isla and Maeve Collister. Whilst the suited eggshells won't have made a particularly appetising result, the Southwark Valu, as Isla mentioned, is over-salted, 
We can find out why from A.W. Moore's Folklore of the Isle of Man, which refers to a similar Hollandtide tradition. The following is another Hollandtide recipe for dreaming of a future husband. Take a salt herring from a neighbour's house without the consent or knowledge of the owner. Be sure to capture it in the dark and take the first that comes to hand. Then take it home and roast it in its brine upon the cinders. Maintain strict silence, both while eating it and afterwards, and carefully consume every scrap, bones and all. On the stroke of midnight, retire to bed backwards, undress in the dark, and avoid touching water. If these instructions are properly carried out, the future husband will appear in a dream and will present a drink of water. Yet another recipe was for the girls to fill their mouths with water and hold a pinch of salt in each hand. Thus equipped, they went to a neighbour's door and listened to the conversation within, when the first name mentioned would be that of their future husband. There are various customs practised on this evening in man. Of these, the burning of nuts for purposes of divination is one of the most popular. Cyril Payton recalls another Hollandtide divination from his own childhood. I well remember the burning of nuts and ducking for apples, carried out under the directions of a Manx servant when I was a small boy over fifty years ago. Two nuts were burned at a time, one for a boy and one for a girl. They were placed on the top bar of the grate, and if both burned quietly, the pair would marry. If, however, one or both popped off the bar in the process of burning, that pair wouldn't marry. The apples were floated in a large tub of water, and the boys tried to pick them out with their teeth, which was great fun. The girls were given a wooden-handled kitchen fork, which they held by the handle in their mouths over the tub, and tried to drop it so as to spear an apple. I think that the fork was a modern development at that time, Carl Roder's Manx Notes and Queries refers to yet another way for girls to find out about their future husband, which is connected with a tune collected from Thomas Neen of Port St Mary, a nursery song about Pai Ned As Nelly Goltai, or its other name, Halligan Linky Long. Halligan is a Cornish word for the willow. The song was lost in Cornwall, but Merv Davy there read that it had been taken to the Isle of Man by Cornish miners. So he rang up his friend Colin Jerry to ask him if he could have a look, just on the off chance that he ever happened to come across it. But Merv was surprised when Colin immediately told him that he knew it and was able to sing it down the phone to him there and then. First, we'll hear Carl Roder's description before we hear Linky Long. On Holy Eve, the girls used to go out at twelve o'clock at night and carry a ball of woollen yarn in their hand, and steal to a barn without anyone knowing anything about it, and twisting the end of it round their wrist, threw the ball in the darkness as far as they could. Then, after a little while, they began to wind it up, beginning at the end twined round their wrist. If the thread was held, they would cry out, "'Who is holding the thread?' And they expected whoever held it to say who he was, if there was no answer, they were to be old maids. Mm-hmm. 
Fiona Douglas collected a version of this from John Matmel Christ, and rather than Halligan Halligan Linky Long, it's Hammergan Hemmergan Linky Lou. Hammergan Hemmergan Hammergan Hemmergan Hammergan Jowlach Linky Lou. Hammergan Hemmergan Hammergan Hemmergan Hammergan Jowlach Shentry Lou. Linky Lou as Linky Lou, Cordow of Luggan, Ben the Hammergan Jowlach Linky Lou, Hammergan Jowlach Linky Lou. That's fairly unclear as to what it means, Hammergan Hemmergan, Devilish Hammergan Linky Lou. Then there's that line, Devilish Hammergan Shentry Lou. Very unclear what that means. Linky Lou and Linky Lou, give me the ball, white or black. Devilish Hammergan Linky Lou. Turning again to A.W. Moore's folklore of the Isle of Man, he says, The 12th of November is the general day for letting lands, payment of rent, and for men-servants taking their places for the year. Moore mentions men-servants there, and J.J. Neen mentions the Hollandtide Fair held in Douglas on the 12th of November, which was a hiring fair for men-servants. Writing in 1925... J.J. Neen says that it's... ...still held, although shorn of much of its former merriment and gaiety. Shan Le Sauna, Old Hollandtide Day, was the day that William Cobben established Krunich Vanin nach in 1924, and it ran until the end of the 1920s, and was a little more patchy through the 30s, until the outbreak of war. But the Krunich Vanin nach was a one-day festival to coincide with Shan Le Sauna, Old Hollandtide Day. Finally, this is a saying collected by Carl Ruder and Sophia Morrison in Manx Proverbs and Sayings. Crea be an earth tan Shan Le Sauna, Shen an earth be de arn Jane Vlain. Whatever earth or direction the wind is on Old Hollandtide Day, it will be at that earth two thirds of the year. Bolinach er a trai fagaster umsei, hink godred croven er a talu, sevlein jai keed nae jagas tree feed. Lug de filiel in elian de chosna de heert roosjen, tre henke er a talu egelen. Rare recortus riechen vanen as nehelinen, rene folacha denia er largach skail, as lesh kuna yindas as fiachagi ur, Chodhne and Kaga, as an Elden. Henk Lungen Summerlud, J. Ornagail, Sjach, Savirum Senius. Asian Chosen, Nihelenen, Chaustein Alban, Vosch, Riechen Vanen as Nihelenen. Uns three keed jegas three jeg, Henk Robert and Bruce, Eratalu, Sonachid Hirt, Ekrumse. Hogan Lungus Kagi, Hosnachlio, Three Lungen Frangach, Blesh François Tuho, Lug Kagamara, Jekion Yerby, Sjach und Spyrum Say, und Shachi Jeg as Tree Feed. Hur Turohin, Bevein Hirtach Ernellen, as Eschen en Olon Show, Bess Sakaga and Leroy. Ramsey's in the sunniest area of the Isle of Man, with relatively low rainfall so it often lives up to its description of shining by the sea. It's because it lies in an area protected by the hills from the prevailing winds blowing up from the southwest. 
as rain clouds come over the island, they rise up over the uplands and discharge most of their contents there before they reach Ramsey. Ramsey, past and present, has just been published by the Machel-based Lochten Books. The book is based round images from the collection of Ray Stanfield, with modern photographs by George Hobbs. The text is by fourth Manx bard Sarah Goodwins, and she and George told Bob Carswell about the book, which is the fourth in a series of books showing the then and now of the island's towns. It is the fourth, yes. The the other three are Port Erin, Peel and Castletown, and this one's Ramsey, which is, of course, just down the road from us. Um, it was quite nice because it meant that we could do spend more time actually going there and looking at things rather than having to travel the length of the island. Um, it's the same sort of setup as the others. It's 128 pages, old photographs, old postcards with a modern match to try and show people what it, what's changed, if anything's changed, and quite a lot in Ramsey has. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, um, well, basically that. Looking at the then and now, as you say, there's so much changed in Ramsey, but were there any particular elements that surprised you more? Well, there were, actually. I, I knew that there had been a lot of, of clearance of the old town at the end of the 1960s, early 1970s. What I hadn't realised before I started doing the research is just how unsuited Ramsey was to be a town at all because it was built to serve the sea, to serve seafarers, and it was a superb natural port, but it wasn't really very good for building on because it was very low and marshy and soggy and flooded. And so I, I didn't realise just how much of Ramsey is actually built on reclaimed land where they've drained it and, and put in extra barriers for the sea and, and all that sort of thing, which is not really surprising that it still floods occasionally nowadays. Mm-hmm. When, when I was doing the research of, of Ramsey, I didn't realise that marketplace was not filled in until quite late, and that some of some fishing boats or market um, merchant boats, that sort of thing, could actually tie up outside St Paul's Church. And I didn't know that. And if you if you picture it, it's 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 incredible to think that boats could actually come that far in or up if it's up the river. Uh, at that point, it's I think it was I think the marketplace was filled in in something like 1817, something like that. Um, and I, I, re- I really didn't know, because nowadays you go there and it's, it's you know, car- cars parked there and people bustle about and there's more buildings. And I didn't realise that used to be sea. Again, you've used Ray Stanfield's collection of images as a background to it. How far back do Ray's images go, in fact? They go quite a long way back. He has a superb collection, and um, particularly some of the, not so much in Ramsey, but some of the um, photographs he has of, of Douglas, they, 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 I mean, it's incredible. It's just about when the Tower of Refuge was built. He's got some of, of a new Tower of Refuge and things like that. It's incredible. The Ramsey ones, part of the problem we had, and it's not Ray's fault at all, is that the old town was not considered very photogenic when postcards were being taken at the beginning of the uh, 20th century, the end of the 19th century. Most postcards were taken then. Um, and the, nowadays, we would, we would think it would, was would delightful and, and oldie-worldie. Then it was considered, well, it's, it's a bit grubby, isn't it? It's working class, a bit of a slum. None of which was true, but it, it didn't feature that much in postcards. So the old town, which no longer exists, is not as well-featured or not as well-pictured as I would have liked. We've had to sort of be creative and, and talk about, well, in the background of this, you can see what isn't there anymore because it, it wasn't actually photographed at the time. Mm. 
And that must have been one of the difficulties for yourself then, uh, looking at the changes and looking for photographs, trying to pinpoint exactly where you're, what you're looking at and what it might have been in the old days. Indeed, Bob, that's uh, just right. Um, the old town cross was in the middle of the redeveloped area and you can look at the old Swan Inn and you can look at the street pattern and you go there and you think where is this then and again yes you can position yourself in a housing estate and get a distant view of St Paul's Square and Queen's Court flats and you think this is about it but it's not really a very stunning comparison I'm afraid again even though things have moved on then there are still the occasional landmarks that you can pick out from that obviously St Paul's Church is still there and gives you a pointer if there's anything sticking above the skyline on that Um, but in many instances South Ramsey you can almost forget it and even in more recent years there have been changes in Ramsey and and they'll be documented as well hopefully yes Um, one of the things that we find that with with doing this sort of book is that it changes all the time for example when we were doing most of the book Ramsey Bakery was a working bakery and it's now gone Um, the the fish shop Camelli's in the book it's pictured where it was about a month ago and it's since moved which we didn't know I mean it's not moved very far it's just moved down the street but there are quite a lot of things that that change all the time and you have to although we try and get it right you have to say no we've got to stop now otherwise we'd never finish it because everything changes everything evolves Mm. Uh, one of the old pictures uh, shows the steam train on the key extension of the Manx Northern Railway and gang of young lads riding their bikes alongside the train as they would and the engine gently puffing along Um, and in the distance you can just about see the tower of the Catholic Church looming over the back of the buildings beyond the harbour the only way I could get a match of that picture was to almost lie on the wall outside the Ramsey Bakery line up the Catholic Church above the swing bridge through the trees and then take the picture but there's new buildings built on the left there is no remnants of the railway whatsoever and just a bit of road outside where the quay was and you think yeah it's got to be the same place but you've actually got to be very low which is difficult for someone like me to take the picture at all there's a nice set of pictures in there of the the the, the demolition the demolition of the old Catholic Church, and the, we actually had some trouble finding. We, obviously, it's it's on the same site as the new Catholic Church, but there's a an old warehouse that we were assured was part of that site, but was flattened, and we didn't know where it was. And then George eventually found that part of the wall of the old warehouse actually still exists as part of the wall around the new Catholic Church, so we could identify where it was. But the nice thing I like is that. The, the old Catholic Church, the, the far wall of it, does still exist as a sort of a shrine to the, the Virgin Mary and Child outside the new Catholic Church. And I like that. There's a continuity between the two. I think that's, 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 that's good. Sarah Goodwins and George Hobbs of Lochton Books and their latest publication, Ramsey, Past and Present. Available now at 
Asla Shen Tushin Chit Gus Jera Shahle and Kiat Shaw. Marilyn Krellen will be here next Thursday at six. But that's it for this week. So from me, Pesh Shen Evom, Yona McCardle, Slen Luke.